Welcome to the Church at the Springs podcast. The Springs exist to lead our generation to God and connect people to a community of Christ followers who change their world. To learn more about us, visit thesprings.net. We hope you enjoy the message. Welcome. Uh, it's uh, my privilege to be here. Thank you to share some time. Thank you. It's just good, uh, always a wonderful opportunity to be together with you and uh, to share some, some truth and some hope from God's word. It's, uh, as you track through the calendar, we're all going like, really, is it, is it already time for Thanksgiving, right? I mean, here we are, and we're just days ahead of that. And, and as you kind of get ready for that, I don't know what your celebration will include or where you'll be, but there will be this table that will be set at some point along the way. And the table will become a focal point, at least for a little while, in the midst of the, the football games and the family getting together. The table will be a place that We'll enjoy conversations and some delicious food. And at some point as that afternoon winds down and the meal comes to an end, you will push yourself away from the table and go, ah, I'm full. I've had enough. I'm satisfied. And then the next thing you probably do is begin to look at the Black Friday ads and look at all the things you need to go get because that satisfaction only lasted for just a moment. And now we're back to this notion of what am I missing out on? What do I need to go get? What do I need to grab? What's on sale? What kind of deals can I get? So what I want us to look at this morning is how do I learn to kind of get that push back from the table? I'm satisfied to be part of life to be part of our normal day-to-day -day journey and not always be wanting and looking and going after the next big thing, but rather realizing that I can learn to be satisfied. I believe that's what Thanksgiving is. Thanksgiving is looking around with eyes that are grateful and are satisfied with what we have as family is gathered, as we're together, as we truly count our blessings. How do we learn to live that kind of life going forward every day? We're going to look at um, uh, one of the Apostle Paul's writing in Philippians 4. And, and it's a passage you're probably familiar with. There's definitely a verse I want to share this morning that you, are, you know, you've heard before. And I want you to get a good perspective on what it actually is about. But one of the things that's important to realize with Paul is Paul's actually writing Philippians while he's in prison. I want you to think for a moment about this guy who's going to write us some words and he's coming from a place of prison. And here's what he's going to write to us about. Because how do I learn to push away from the table and continue to live a satisfied life? It really boils down to one word, and the word is contentment. Paul, in prison, is going to teach us some things about being content. So you might kind of be like, well, what is, would he have to say, and how can he possibly help me understand what it means to be content? And the reason Paul is an expert in the subject matter is because Paul went to this place called the School of Hard Knocks. Do we have any School of Hard Knock graduates here in the audience today? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, right? You, you've been down that journey. You've been in those places. And what Paul would say is that those weren't wasted in my life. That God has used them in some pretty incredible ways. And one of the things I want us to see this morning is not just the very material part of contentment, because we need to learn that lesson, that there's a greater lesson for us to learn as well. What does it mean for me to be content with, with life and the life that I'm in the midst of right now? Paul says, I, I've learned some things over the years. I've learned some things through some of the most difficult experiences of my life. And in doing so, God has continued to shape and refine me into the person that I am. So we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. Here's what Paul writes. How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. 
I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So from this guy who's currently in prison, I want us to learn two lessons and be given insight into one secret. Two lessons about contentment, about how I can push away from the table, not just on Thanksgiving, and learn to say, I, I have enough. To learn to be content with where we're at. Two lessons to learn. But then Paul referred to a secret that he wants to reveal to us as well. I want to make sure that we grab onto that before we leave. So the, the first lesson in contentment is this. That contentment means my situation does not regulate my satisfaction. My situation, where I'm at in life, doesn't determine whether or not I'm satisfied, whether or not I'm content with what's taking place. There's a quote that says this, contentment is not the fulfillment of what you want, but the realization of how much you already have. It's looking around with eyes that are satisfied. And that can be a challenge. Because again, we're bombarded all the time as a culture that says there's more, there's better, there's new, there's shinier, there's faster. You can't possibly be happy with what you have because there's more out there. How do you learn to see what you already have? In Ecclesiastes 6.9, the writer writes this, it's better to be satisfied with what you have than always to be wanting something else. And the reason is, if you never learn how to be satisfied with what you have, you'll never be satisfied with what you think you might want going forward. And there's one word that if we could kind of make this part of our vocabulary, that would make all the difference in this. And the word is this, it's the word enough. Enough. Can you say that with me? Enough. Enough. I have enough. And that's just like a hard thing for, I think, Americans to say. I have enough. We are always struggling against the more. We're always struggling against new. And that gets in the way of us truly learning to be content. If you've noticed around Ocala in the last couple of years, we have built many, many gas stations right? Wawa, Circle K, 7-Eleven, they're all over the place. It's sort of like, where did we buy gas like three years ago? Did, did, we not, did we not use gas? And then the other thing popping up right next to the gas stations are car washes all over the place. But I guess three years ago, since we didn't buy gas and drive, we didn't need our cars cleaned either. So now we need both of them apparently, right? They're popping up all over the place. But here's something else you've seen built a lot, self-storage units. You see those all over the place, don't you? Think about the whole concept of a self-storage unit. You have so much stuff that you don't have a place to put it all. And you have to pay someone to store it for you. Now, I won't cast any judgment. I have a shed out back in my house as well. But what I know is that that shed contains stuff not only that I don't need regularly, but I don't really need it all. Kim and I just cleaned out our shed a couple of weeks ago. What it resulted in was like four trips to the dump of all the stuff that we thought, oh, we got to hang on to this, right? We, we need this because we often don't learn how to say simply the word enough. Proverbs says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. How do we stay content in a culture, though, that doesn't let us sit there? How we are always comparing what we have to what the people around us have. And it drives us to always want more and more. Interesting, when you compare yourself, what you have to what others have, you never compare yourself to people who have less than you, do you? We always compare ourselves to people who have more. 
And in that, we find this sense of being very discontent, unsatisfied with where we're at right now. How, how, do, we, how do we learn to be content? I think that's a, that's a huge principle. And so Paul writes this in Philippians 4.11 that we already read. He says this, not that he was ever in need. And there's a huge truth right there. Paul would say, I, I never needed anything. I, I, I learned to be good because I learned how to be content with whatever I had. I was, I was never in need. Whether I had plenty or I didn't have enough, or I was whether well-fed or hungry, I never had a need. I learned to be content. Paul was equally unaffected by poverty or by riches, by plenty or by want. He, he simply realized, you know, at the end of the day, it's just not about that stuff. I have enough. When Jesus walked the earth, he interacted with a very simple people and, and he offered a very simple message in Matthew 6. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food in the body than clothes? Simple message. To a people who quite literally didn't know maybe at times where their next meal was coming from. And we would look at this in our very materialistic American culture and say, well, Jesus, actually, you know what? We found out, we discovered that life is more about this, the food in the body, the food that we eat and the clothes that we wear. It's so much more. It's more complicated. There's more things. There's more stuff. And all those become distractions that kind of get, continually get in the way. How do we learn to live this simple, simple life of contentment? There's no doubt that contentment, this idea that I can become satisfied with what I have, that's part of what Paul's writing about in Philippians. I've learned to be content in all these situations. But I believe there's a, there's a more profound meaning beyond that as well. And I believe that that meaning has to do with being content with where life has you right now, with your place, with your station, with what's taking place around you, with both the joys and the struggles. Do you learn to become content with where where you're at in life. And so the second lesson I believe Paul offers us is that contentment is an internal peace during imperfect circumstances. It's an internal peace. It's an inside job, regardless of what's taking place around us on the outside. See, contentment is the ability to live independent of circumstances, which is very desirous because your circumstances are always changing. And if your sense of satisfaction, if your sense of wellness and wholeness and peace is directly tied to your circumstance, then your life will simply be all over the place all the time because that's what the circumstances of life do. And I believe the lesson that Paul learned is the lesson he's trying to teach us is that my life doesn't have to be dependent upon those circumstances and that there's an opportunity for this internal peace even when the circumstances around me are very imperfect. Now, if somebody wants to teach me a lesson, I want to know a little bit like, well, like how did you learn the lesson? And like, do you have the, the background or the authority? Do you have credibility in your story where the lesson you want to teach me has some value behind it? So I'm going to read a portion of 2 Corinthians to give us a glimpse into Paul's world. I already told you Paul's writing Philippians in prison, so it's not like the best of situations to begin with. But I want you to hear a little bit about his journey because the person teaching the lesson, their background, their credibility, it, it really means something. And I want us to see that we need to be able to lean into and listen to this guy based upon the way he's lived his life. Listen to 2 Corinthians beginning in chapter 11, verse 23. Paul writes these words. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole day and a night adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, on the seas. I faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothes to keep me warm. Paul graduated with honors from the school of hard knocks. Paul truly had been there and done that. And when someone with that kind of a backstory says, I've learned some things about life. I've learned some things about God. I've learned some things about being content. When someone with that kind of a background wants to teach me a lesson, I want to listen. I want to hear what they have to say. And so Paul gets this, this kind of incredibly heightened sense that he's credible, he's legit, and he's something that you and I need to pay attention to. How does your story read? What, what, what would your, if you wrote four or five or six lines about life, what would it say? In fact, if we had a chance to get a cup of coffee together, what would that conversation sound like? Now, now, probably it would start that you would tell me about some of the you know, joys you've experienced. You'd tell me about your family. You'd tell me about your career, the things that you've been able to accomplish in life. You'd tell me about some of the great things that you've experienced. But it wouldn't take long until the conversation turned to some of the challenges that you faced as well. Some of the difficulties you've been through. Times of loss and heartache and pain and frustration. Times of confusion, struggle. We, you, you have that story. And as we were kind of finishing up our time together, I might say, you know, you told me so much about all that you've been through in life, highs and lows, wonderful times, and really times of struggle. When would you say was the season that you just had this great sense of like growth, that, that, that your character was well-defined, that, that, that God maybe showed up in ways you'd, you'd never experienced before? When, what, what was going on in your life then? And I would imagine to a person you wouldn't talk to me about the wonderful moments of life. You wouldn't talk to me about the high fives. You talked to me about those difficult times, about the seasons where life just really kind of got brought down to its very basic elements. Paul says, there, there's a lesson to be learned there. And when we learn about God's closeness and presence, even in the middle of those difficult times, when we learn those challenging times are part of what God's doing to move us into a place of growth and maturity, when we learn that, then we can be content. Then we can be kind of okay with what's taking place. That you can be content in the middle of a job that isn't quite what you want it to be. You can be content in the middle of a kind of a family struggle right now that you're working to resolve. You can be content with a diagnosis that sounds pretty scary and overwhelming. You see, Paul says, I've learned the lessons and it wasn't through the joyful times of life. It was through the hard times. Too often when we're in the middle of those teaching moments from God, we, we kind of short-circuit the lesson. We want to get away from the table. We want to get outside that classroom. 
And God says, no, come here because I want to teach you. I want to mold you. Ultimately, what God is doing is he's shaping you to become more and more like Jesus. And he can use all the events around your life to make that happen and make that possible. Are you willing to learn the lesson? As I had the privilege of intersecting with Fire Rescue and working with them through some wonderful times on the job, times of promotion and celebration last night, I had the privilege of officiating a firefighter wedding, which is always just a great time of joy while I was there. One of the young men I hadn't seen because he'd been off for a little while because he just had a new baby and celebrating with that wonderful, wonderful times. I love the opportunity to connect with my folks in that way. But that's not how I usually connect with them. Usually it's times of heartache and loss. It's times of dealing with suffering, carnage in our community. And the struggle is very real for them. And there are times they can get so overwhelmed that, that they literally get stuck. We refer to that as post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. And it's a very real issue that has some real consequences. There's a lot of heaviness behind it. But sadly, unfortunately, PTSD is talked about today as if it were like, like a terminal illness, like, like you're done. Like, oh, I'm, oh. Oh, you have PTSD, I'm so, oh my goodness. Like, I don't know, your life is like over. And I completely and totally reject that notion. The beautiful conversation is beginning to shift, not toward post-traumatic stress disorder, but post-traumatic growth. And that as a result of these struggles, as a result of the difficulties and the challenges, that your life will actually have the opportunity to grow through that, that, that what doesn't kill you really does make you stronger. And I think that's exactly what Paul would say. I've learned there's some lessons here. There's some lessons to learn that even through the most difficult times in my life, I've learned to be content and resting in my relationship with God. One of my favorite phrases is this, it's all good, it's all good. And no matter what's going on in life, I've been able to say it, it's all good. And a fuller understanding of that would be for me to say to you, it is well with my soul, it's all good. I've learned to believe absolutely that I can have incredible peace right here even when the world is just absolutely out of control all around me. I've learned that it can be well in my soul. And that wellness comes because of this understanding that God is teaching. There are lessons to be learned even in the middle of the difficult times. And we need not to run away from the lesson, but let God do the work of continuing to refine us. It is well. But, but the well, that word, also gives me an imagery of a well, a deep well of water. And what I've learned about myself and my faith journey is that the deeper that well is, the more I'm able to kind of receive the impacts of life in ways that don't totally wash over me. If you take a rock and you drop it into a deep well, there are ripples on the surface, absolutely. It doesn't go unnoticed. But the well is able to absorb the impact of that rock and the rock disappears and the surface comes back to some sense of calm. It is well. But too often our lives are more like puddles. And when a rock crashes into a puddle, the water is scattered everywhere and the, the rock remains just glaring at us. How do you develop a well in your life? 
that as the rocks of challenge and of difficulty and of struggle come alongside of you, you're able to receive them and absorb them, that there's this ability for you to have a foundation that you can be secure in. And what I would say to you is this, the development of your well needs to be happening right now. You can't wait for the rock to show up and then say, oh, I guess I need some depth in my life. It needs to be now. And every time I get a chance, the privilege and the honor to be on the stage, I tell you that the well is developed by spending time in God's word, by having a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, and then developing that relationship, getting to know him more and more and better and better as you spend time in his word. And day by day and moment by moment, as life happens, so does my sense of having a foundation to be firm on. Paul says, I've learned some lessons. I've learned to be content. And, and I've been able to have this relationship with God that allows me the opportunity to navigate even through some of the most difficult situations of life. And that brings me to this notion of the, the secret that Paul wants to let us in on. And the secret, if you go back into when we take a look at the, the, the way in which it was written then, it was, it was like the revelation of a mystery that hadn't been known before. And, and now it's being revealed that this, there's this understanding of it. It's, it's a new understanding, a new way of walking through truth that maybe people didn't understand in the past, but now it's been revealed. And when I show you the secret, you know, like, well, yeah, I know that. The secret is simply this, that contentment is found in a relationship with God through Jesus. That's the secret. And you might go, oh, okay, um, Joe, since you, uh, just maybe you didn't know this, but like, we, we knew that. It really, like, you didn't really just tell us anything. We, we knew that. And maybe that's the point. You do know that. But do we live that out? Do, do we realize truly that Jesus is the answer? Not, not just like the Sunday school answer, right? That Jesus really is the answer. That my ability to have confidence in life, my ability to have a foundation to stand on. Paul would say, I, I figured this out. I learned a secret. The secret is Jesus. And it leads us to, to Philippians 4.13. And this is the verse I know you know. And it says this, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Another translation says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know that verse, but you don't know it. That's probably one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. Have you ever seen that verse at a gym, like by the big heavy weight sets, right? I can do all things. I can become Arnold Schwarzenegger through Christ who gives me strength. That's not what that's about. What is Paul talking about in this passage? He's saying, I've learned to be content. I've learned that if I have a lot or a little, it doesn't matter. Paul says, I've learned that in life, it doesn't matter if things are going well or I'm really struggling right now. I've learned to be content. The secret is that I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. We misunderstand the intent of that. There's a, there's a translation of the Bible called the Amplified Bible and it takes that verse and kind of expands. It gives me a little more insight. It says this, I have the strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength into me. Here it is. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am self-sufficient. I can do all things in Christ's sufficiency through Christ who gives me strength. Paul says that's the secret. 
That's where it all comes together. And this notion of being content, being satisfied, being okay, pushing away from the table and saying enough, that's only possible because we know Jesus. We trust Jesus. And we realize that truly is what makes all the difference in the world. Blaise Pascal was a French philosopher. And this is one of his famous quotes. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator, made known through Jesus. There's a God-shaped vacuum. There's a, there's, a, there's a hole, there's a void, there's an emptiness in each one of us. And, and what we find is that this lack of contentment is because we keep looking for things to fill the void, the emptiness, the hole. And sometimes it's stuff or it's success or it's, it's, it's notoriety, it's, it's getting a name made. But we're looking for something because we're saying, my life isn't settled, my life doesn't have purpose. And I'm looking, I'm looking, there's a vacuum, there's a hole, there's an emptiness, and I keep trying to fill it. And what Pascal said, and what Paul says, is that vacuum is God-shaped. It's meant to be occupied by the God of the universe who created you on purpose with meaning, with value. And he says, I want to be that place. I want to have that place in your heart. What would it look like for you to stop struggling with trying to find a place and learning to be content? Yes, with your stuff, absolutely. And, and, and could you put that one to practice right away? We're, we're heading into the Christmas season. Could you say, I have enough? Could, could you say, my kids have enough? Could you say, my grandkids, my neighbors, my teachers, they have enough? Could, could, you, could we put that one into practice right away? I think it would be a, a quick, easy lesson to learn and put that principle into effect that enough is a way to live. I have enough. I push away from the table with eyes that are satisfied. But I think the bigger challenge for us is, can I learn to live my life that way? Can I learn to develop this sense of a peace? The Bible says a peace that passes understanding. Can I learn to realize that my life can be this deep well, that my faith allows me the opportunity to let my relationship with God truly be, that it really is all about Jesus. And that while you would say, well, that was no secret you revealed this morning, I, I, I get that. But maybe it's a secret you need to live out in life so that you have the opportunity to truly enjoy the peace that God makes available. In Psalm 62, the scripture says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress I will never be shaken. Paul said, I learned that lesson not in the easy times of life, but in the difficult times. And I can tell you that that would be my story as well. We came to Florida about 20 years ago. Uh, my dad had passed away not too long after my mom and dad had moved here. And uh, we just uh, wanted to come and be able to spend some time with my mom. And uh, she was 75 at the time. She's almost 95 now and is doing well. And we just love that we are here for her during these days, which we know within at least certainly the next several years, we're assuming would be the end of her days. And we'll have the privilege and the honor to be with her uh, on that final journey. But, but, but Florida was not on the list of things to do. 
not in the list of places to go. It was great to visit, but I had no sense that we would ever live here. And then, and then life happened. I had the privilege of serving as a pastor um, at two different churches up in the Chicago area over about 10 years. And at the end of that time, it was time for us to leave, time for us to go. And without having to say anything more than that, you get that there were seasons and the season was coming to an end. But it wasn't just like leaving a church, like putting out a resume, going to find another church. It was like, like God, what, like what happened here? Like, I thought you called me into ministry. Can you get, get like recalled? Can you get uncalled? I mean, what, what happened? Because it didn't end up where, where we thought it would. And at that point in time, there was like confusion and, and there was some struggle and anger and a lot of questioning. And the only thing we knew to do is to come down to be with my mom. I guess kind of as a side note, going to be with mom is always a good thing, right? And that's where we find ourselves, lost, confused. But here's what I can tell you. My, my faith journey didn't start that day. Um, my faith journey was revealed that day. I committed my life to Jesus when I was 17. I was a freshman in college, and I didn't really even understand all that that meant at the time, but I knew that I wanted him to be in the center of my life. But at 17, you, you think you have life figured out. If you had moved forward all those years to when we moved here about 20 years ago, that's when I had a deep well to lean into. We have in our kitchen a little plaque that says, give us this day our daily bread. Like the Hobby Lobby special, they're all over the place, right? <laughs> but let me tell you what, when you don't have a job, give us this day our daily bread takes on a very big meaning, very different than just a little plaque on the wall. Believing that God had a plan when it was like really hard to see that's what Paul's talking about. I've learned a lesson. I've learned a lesson about being content. Now, was I satisfied with where I was at? No, and I don't think those are the same, but what I had was a deep peace because my well had been filled deeply. And those of you, as I look around and see your faces, have had the privilege of knowing many of you for a long time. And I know the stories of your lives. I know the journeys that you've been on. And I know for many of you, you have those deep wells. And the conversation, if I asked you to come up here one at a time and tell me your story, I think you'd come across the stage and pretty early in your story, we would hear the name Jesus. And he would say that he was the one who guided you through that valley of the shadow of death. He was the one who allowed you to have just some sense of peace in the middle of that which seemed so overwhelming. That at the end of the day, it's just about Jesus. <laughs> which is why every time we get together as a church, we tell you about him. Because that's what makes all the difference. Paul said, I've learned the lesson. I've learned it the hard way, he would tell us. And some of you have learned the lesson the hard way also. But if you're still trying to do this thing on your own, if you're still trying to make some sense of it, if you're still trying to find that which will make you content, would you stop looking today? And would you find that that is 
the secret. It's in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the one who came to give us life and meaning and purpose, the one who helps us make sense out of what life is doing to us every day. Let's pray together. If you've never started that journey, that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, this is your opportunity. This is for you to lean into the lessons of the past and to realize that he is the one to fill the very emptiness of your heart. If you're ready to receive that gift, the beautiful gift he gives of life, you can pray something. This is just between you and God, not, to, not for out loud, but maybe it sounds something like this. Father, I have been chasing after so much and I keep coming up short. And you're offering me a life of meaning and purpose, a life of peace. I want that life. I want that contentment deep in the well of my soul. Jesus, thank you that because you went to the cross and died for sin, that I'm forgiven. Because you rose from the grave that I have this new meaningful and purposeful life. I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. But as best as I know now, I commit myself to following after you. Jesus, thank you for loving me and forgiving me and receiving me. I pray in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast. If you were encouraged by this message, be sure to leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the area, join us on Sundays. For times and locations, visit thesprings.net. And again, thank you for listening to the Church at the Springs podcast.